Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. Minicoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out Minicoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Minicoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Minicoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. I just wanted to do a brief episode today. It's Thursday, March 3rd, and yesterday I did one on the overall situation in Ukraine and specifically on the propaganda that's being pumped at us from every possible angle traditional media, social media, as far as what's going on in Ukraine and what Putin's motives may have been, which are very clear and really not complicated. And I covered all that yesterday. But there's another aspect to this that I just wanted to point out. And it's something that, again, I've been writing about for a long time. I'll link to an article that I wrote in 2014 which the events in Ukraine have really just proven out, not that they really needed any more proof. And I'm going to read some excerpts from it. The article was written for the Daily Caller. It was called, Pentagon Finally Admits Conventional Warfare is Obsolete, Recommends Deep Cuts. Now, again, remember, this is eight years ago. And it starts out saying, the Pentagon announced yesterday that it would shrink the U.S. Army to pre-World War II levels. It's about time. They say that generals always fight the last war. The Pentagon has rendered that an understatement. They've been refighting World War II for almost 70 years, accomplishing very little in the process. Of all its military adventures, the Korean War, which remains a stalemate after six decades, is the best it has to show for trillions in debt and tens of thousands of lives. And it goes on to say that the Korean War was a success as a matter of opinion. Rather than containing Pyongyang, there is a good argument to be made that the U.S. presence on North Korea's border is what has kept the nation's communist government in power. It would seem no coincidence that the only other truly communist regime is Cuba's, against whom the U.S. has taken a similar stance. Even giving the Pentagon Korea, it must be measured against the unmitigated disasters in Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. A decade hence, the latter two will be viewed in much the way Vietnam was by the 1980s. So that was written in 2014. I'd say that that one has aged well, that paragraph there. So I go on to say, 
It isn't that the U.S. military has failed to execute. On the contrary, they've executed conventional warfare admirably. It's just that conventional warfare is obsolete, and it has been for a very long time. With over 1.4 million men and women in uniform, the American military is built to fight a first world power in a conventional war where two armies honorably bomb, strafe, and otherwise wreak destruction on one another. And when one side gains the advantage, its ground troops surge forward, breaking the enemy's line, and in the end, the victor marches into the capital and the enemy surrenders. A peace treaty follows. We saw this fairy tale play out in 2003 Iraq, and then the war started. There isn't going to be a war between first world powers that ends anything like that. Neither Moscow nor Washington is going to let a triumphant general ride into town with thousands of troops before resorting to nuclear weapons, which means there isn't going to be a war between first world powers, at least while a shred of sanity remains. So again, I'm writing that in 2014. I think that's just what we've seen in Ukraine. NATO is not going to respond militarily. They're going to make all kinds of bluster. They're going to do what they can on the economic side, which Russia has spent the last eight years preparing for, by the way. And despite what you might be hearing in the media, I don't see the Russian government falling to any regime change because of economic pressure. But you never know. It could. So then I go on in the article to talk about what really comprises a conventional military and what use would it be against a first world power. I've been on aircraft carriers. I, I actually had dinner on one at a business conference when I was doing a lot of business with sports stadiums. And this conference happened to be in San Diego and they arranged for us to be on an aircraft carrier. They're very impressive in terms of size. I can't imagine that they would last very long in a 21st century war with modern hypersonic missile technology. An aircraft carrier is not exactly a fighter jet as far as maneuverability is concerned. So I don't think the aircraft carriers are going to be around very long if you were ever in a conventional war with a first world power. And really ground troops, what are they good for? They're good for going into a country like Iraq and policing the place door to door when you're doing an occupation. But that's not going to happen against a nuclear power. So what do we have them for? Again, Washington, D.C., like any other government, is stuck decades behind the times. They still think in terms of General Patton marching into Palermo and the crowds cheering as the United States liberates the country. This is childish fairy tale stuff. It's never going to happen. Why are we warehousing hundreds of thousands of troops all over the world, tens of thousands in Germany? Why? To defend Europe against Russia? We just saw that we're not going to be defending Europe in any kind of conventional war against Russia, which, by the way, could never invade Europe. I don't think they can even long-term occupy Ukraine, and I don't think that's their plan. Their GDP is too small to sustain the kind of waste it would take to occupy another country like that. And I want to get to the military budgets in a second. So what do we have tens of thousands of troops in Japan for? Not going to fight China in a conventional war. And China's not interested in a conventional war with anybody. Let's take a short break for this important message. 
Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. You work on the answer, then you quietly save the day. You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said. We humans just are logical, too crazy in the The massive United States military, over 750 billion on the books and several hundred billion more hidden in other departments like the Department of Energy, and then all the money we have to spend on the poor veterans that we've maimed and injured in these fruitless, useless wars, you could put that number at about $1 trillion a year. And this is a complete ripoff. There's absolutely no reason for it. There's no use for this kind of military. In the 21st century, with other nuclear powers, you do need a nuclear deterrent, which costs very little. We know that because Putin has more nuclear weapons at his disposal with a military budget somewhere between $48 and $75 billion. So less than one-tenth of what we spend per year. Somehow Russia manages to be a threat to the whole world on one-tenth what we spend to supposedly defend ourselves. We really got to wake up here. This is a ripoff. It's economically destructive to our country. Our economy is massively skewed towards defense, but it's really offense. And it's really not even offense. It's fighting and losing to destitute countries like Afghanistan. That's where our money goes. And to a lot of equipment and weapons that don't work. So let's just take a look at a few numbers here. I'm using Statista for a source, and this is 2020 military spending numbers. So, of course, these are all higher now, at least for the United States. And there are other numbers that vary by a little bit. You might find another list that measures military spending a little bit differently, but they're all about in the same ballpark. And of course, the United States is well beyond any other country in military spending. So let's look at some numbers. Who spent the most? Of course, the United States in 2020, $778 billion. And again, that's just in the defense budget and that's just on the books. It's actually a lot higher, but assuming that other countries might have similar monies hidden in different departments, although they'd be minuscule compared to the United States, let's just use $778 billion. So who's number two? China, $252 billion, or one-third of the United States' military spending. And then after that, it drops precipitously. Number three is India at $72 billion. And number four was Russia at $61 billion. 
So Russia is less than one-tenth the military spending of the United States, and somehow they're a threat to all of Europe. And of course, the United States military spending doesn't count all the other NATO countries and their spending combined. So you can see that this is absolutely ridiculous. The idea that Russia is some kind of conventional military threat is preposterous, and they're not interested in that. But they are, of course, a nuclear threat. You have to ask yourself, what are we spending all this money on? It's just a waste of money. It's a ripoff. And you're going to hear calls after this for more spending. You're going to hear, this is not the time to cut military spending when Russia is so aggressive. Okay, why not? We're not using anything that we're spending that money on. We can obviously maintain our nukes for something like what Russia spends on military every year. They have their nukes plus enough conventional military to invade Ukraine, spending $61 a year, and we spend $778. So as Denzel Washington said in the biopic about Malcolm X that he starred in, you've been had. You've been took, bamboozled. What a great word. I was on Kate Daly's show yesterday, and she used that word, and I told her, boy, that is exactly (laughs) the word that applies to the American public in terms of its relationship with its government, bamboozled. And what we should learn out of this is it's time to bring all those troops home from Japan, bring them home from Germany, bring them home from South Korea. South Korea can certainly afford to raise a conventional army, which doesn't protect them at all from North Korea's nukes. And by the way, speaking of North Korea, their spending doesn't even make the list that I have here from Statista. It's too low. It's somewhere south of $19 billion a year. Last time I saw a number for them, it was down around $12 billion, as was Iran's. So together, they didn't even spend $25 billion a year on military, but somehow they're a threat to the whole planet. So who's kidding who? Again, we're just so constantly lied to about this subject, and they're all lies to rip us off. Often what they'll try to do is obfuscate the matter with what percentage of their GDP did they spend on military? And that really is a meaningless statistic. To win a war, you need to have a certain amount of ships and guns and bullets and troops. And that has a cost. It doesn't matter what percentage of your GDP it is. The country that can afford the biggest and best army usually wins unless they're poorly led, which could be the case with the United States. But as far as military spending goes, it doesn't really matter what percentage of your GDP. All that matters is the total. So if North Korea were to fight a conventional war against the United States, it would be over very quickly, even if we were poorly generaled and had incompetent people at the top, because we simply have too much money to throw at the problem. I just encourage you to not buy the propaganda. I know it's coming. We're going to have to send more troops, spend more money, buy more worthless weapons. It's all just a big scam. It's time to face reality and stop being ripped off. And let's stop repeating all these childish slogans about how we're freer because somebody had to pay, referring to all these useless wars that we've waged. No war in my lifetime, and I was born in 1965, has made any American freer. It hasn't benefited any American whatsoever. In fact, we're a lot less free because of these wars. 
We're a lot poorer because of these wars. Our economy is totally skewed away from productive work because we devote so much to making weapons to equip our grossly bloated military. It's got to be gutted along with the State Department. All those bureaucrats, those lifelong foreign policy experts that cause all this trouble, it's all got to go. So we should learn the exact opposite lesson from this fiasco in Ukraine from what the media is going to tell you. They're going to be trumpeting calls for more military spending and more troop deployments overseas. We need to do exactly the opposite. We need to pull all our troops out of there, stop wasting our money on them, and face the reality that we live in a world where the major powers can't fight a war without risking the extinction of the human race. If we all just traded with each other and a little mutual respect, especially out of the U.S. foreign policy establishment for every other country, would go a long way. So that's all for today. Again, tomorrow I'll have Ryan Walters on to talk about his book, The Jazz Age President, Defending Warren G. Harding. So that's a brand new book about one of the four or five best presidents, in my estimation, in American history and one of the best of the 20th century. So I'll talk to you then. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.